Welcome to The Sword and the Trial. The Sword and the Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We want to remind you of a couple of things that are coming up here at Founders Ministries. First, the 2023 National Founders Conference. That'll be in January of this coming year. It's going to be quite the shindig because <laughs> space is filling up really quickly. I'm sure it's going to be full very soon. Uh, and we're also going to be celebrating our 40th anniversary at that conference, 40 years uh, as Founders Ministries. And so, Pastor Tom, you will be there along with several of the other founding board members. Who are those founding board members? That's right. The ones that are still alive are Tom Nettles and Bill Askell and Fred Malone and myself. The others have gone to be with the Lord or or didn't uh, stay with us on that pathway after that first year. So, man, it's going to be kind of a family reunion time as well as a wonderful conference addressing what is man. And there's hardly a, a more pertinent topic that we could consider right now. And the Bible speaks of that. In fact, today we're going to be talking about some of what the Bible has to say about this whole issue of biblical anthropology. Who are we in God's creation? Who are we in the grace that's in Jesus Christ? So Vody Balkum, Joe Beakey, Paul Washer, and, um, Bradley, Bradley Pierce. I always forget Bradley because his name's not, his picture's not on this original <laughs> card. It's going to be with us. Bradley, by the way, is a constitutional attorney who filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court for the Dodds case. And so he's going to bring to bear all of that as well as being an, an elder in his church. So you'll want to sign up for this. We expect it to sell out. The registrations are coming in very rapidly. We're grateful for that. And you don't want to be probably anywhere else in the United States, except maybe South Florida. California, but then Southern Florida in January because Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be great weather down here. So we look forward to seeing you here if you can make it. Well, today we're delighted to have with us as a guest, Dr. Christopher Yuan. And Dr. Yuan's coming to us from California. We're delighted to have him on the program. He has written some books about sexuality. His most recent is Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Dr. Yuan, thank you so much for joining us on the Sword and the Trial podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Asko, for having me on. Yeah, well, we're glad to introduce you to people who follow this podcast so that they can learn more about your life and ministry, and particularly this book that you've written. So tell us about your motivation behind writing Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, uh, and what is it that kind of gives your book a unique place in the various books that have come out on sexuality, and specifically homosexuality? You know, anytime a, a person writes a book, I think uh, the, the one thing that we don't want to do is to rewrite something that's already been written mm. or or say something that's already been said. Uh, there's there's a lot of good books out there wrestling with this issue of same-sex relationships, same-sex sex, uh, some really good exegetical books looking at the biblical passages. And I didn't want to add to that because I think uh, several of them have, have done them well. But I, what I found lacking was a book that approached uh, the view, uh, you know, the, the the topic of sexuality through the lens of systematic and biblical theology mm. uh, to understand, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Dr. Askell, just theological anthropology, because I think that's so important to begin there as our foundation. And I, and I found that that was a little bit lacking. Um, so, so that was kind of my attempt at writing Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Um, I, I kind of began with this thought that we've got all these books telling us what not to do, and those are very important for us to hear and to understand and to grasp. Uh, but we can't build a Christian life on God's no. We also need to know what is God's yes. So that was the purpose of me writing my book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. 
Graham, you've got a copy of that book, That's and right. uh, we were talking just before we started today about the various commendations, and uh, Rosaria Butterfield, one of the things that captured me is what she said about it. Do you, you have yeah. that at She hand said, there? in Dr. Christopher Yuan's Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, you are holding in your hands the most important humanly composed book about biblical sexuality and godly living for our times. High praise. Yeah, that's pretty significant uh, commendation from someone who also knows this world has been very helpful in some of the things that she has written mm-hmm. as well. So not everybody's familiar with your personal story, Christopher. So could you uh, just give us a little bit of background? How'd you come to Christ and uh, what's the Lord done in bringing you to where you are today? You know, I was not always a Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. We didn't even own a Bible, but I wrestled with my sexuality. Uh, my parents raised me with very strong uh, Chinese values, which were uh, family-oriented, conservative. And um, But I wrestled with my sexuality from a young age. Um, I'm born in 1970s, so this is back in the 70s and 80s where sexuality and especially gender was not discussed at all. But the, um, the confusion of having these same-sex attractions started fairly young. I was exposed to pornography, unfortunately, around nine years old from just a, a friend. Then I kept those hidden through high school, college, even the Marine Corps Reserves. In my early 20s, I moved from Chicago, where I was originally from, to Louisville, where I was pursuing my doctorate in dentistry. I came out of the closet, and it was then uh, I broke the news to my parents Amazingly, through that crisis, my mother came to faith, and then my father did as well. I went the total opposite direction. I was actually, while in dental school, trying to balance this, you know, doing what all my other friends were doing who didn't know Christ, which was have fun and party, go out to the bars and go out to the clubs. Eventually, I was actually expelled from dental school. I actually began doing drugs and selling drugs. I moved to Atlanta. And I kept doing what I knew how to do best, which was live it up. And I continued to sell drugs and actually began supplying drugs. And this whole time, my parents had no clue that I was doing drugs, but they knew I needed to know Christ. Mm. They tried to reach out to me, love of Christ. I wanted nothing to do with it. They came to visit me one time in Atlanta. Uh, I kicked them out. They weren't preaching at me, but just the fact that God had so radically transformed their lives that they radiated Christ, that was offensive to me. Told them to leave. Mm. My dad gave me his Bible. And as soon as they left, I threw in the trash. Wanted nothing to do with Christianity. And my parents just knew that I was hopeless. My parents committed not to focus upon hopelessness, but upon the promises of God. And they enlisted over 100 prayer warriors from their church, from their Bible study fellowship group, and began to cry out to God for me. My mom began to pray a bold prayer. God, do whatever it takes to bring this prodigal son to you. She fasted every Monday for seven years. Mm. Once fasted 39 days on my behalf. She spent hours every morning in her prayer closet, reading the Bible, interceding for me, praying for many, many others, because she knew there was going to take a miracle. And a miracle is exactly what God did. That miracle came with a bang on my door, opened up my door. On my doorstep were 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, Mm. and two big German shepherd dogs. I received a large amount of drugs. They confiscated my money, my drugs, and I was charged with the equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. Found myself in jail, um, and a few days later, I was walking around the cell block, passed, passed by this garbage can, and I thought, that's my life, trash about to pass it by 
but there was something on top of the trash. Ben over picked it up, and it was a Gideon's New Testament. Mm. Took it back to my cell, began reading it of all things, and that first night, I read through the entire Gospel of Mark. But I was not thinking this is the answer. I just thought I've got tons of time on my hands. Mm. But that those words began to convict me, and I realized, man, I'm a sinner. No one ever told me that. I thought, man, this is not good news. Well, mm. things got worse. I was called to the nurse's office a couple of weeks later, and I was given the news that I was HIV positive. So that was like rock bottom for me. And I just remember one night I was laying in my bed. I was in the cell all by myself. And I look up at the cold metal bunk above me, and somebody scribbled something. And it read, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I mean, there could have been any verse, but God used those words written by a prophet thousands of years ago to Judah to tell me that if God could have a plan for Judah in exile and rebellion, he could still even have a plan for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that plan looked like, but God gave me enough faith and enough strength to get through that one day the next my transformation was gradual. It wasn't just like a one, you know, one night, one moment thing, but it was while reading God's word. I was reading God's word and it was so clear to me that God loved me unconditionally. I kept reading, but man, there are these passages that seem condemned same sex relationships. Went to a chaplain. He actually told me the Bible does not condemn homosexuality. Mm. Even, even gave me a book. So this is where it gets even, even more interesting. I took that book with the hope of finding biblical justification for same-sex relationships. Mm. I had that book mm. in one hand, the Bible in the other. And I know now it was God's indwelling Holy Spirit that convicted me that those assertions were a clear distortion of God and his word. Mm. I couldn't even finish that book, gave it back to the chaplain, and I turned to the Bible alone. I went through every verse looking for justification. I couldn't find any. So I was at this turning point, either abandon God and uh, live as a gay man, pursue a monogamous same-sex relationship by allowing my attractions to dictate not only who I was, but also how I lived, or abandon pursuing a same-sex relationship by freeing myself from homosexuality and live as a follower of Jesus Christ. By God's grace, I followed Jesus. Mm. The days and the weeks and months of abstinence passed, and I realized my sexuality should not be the core of who I am. Mm. I told myself before, God loves me unconditionally. That's true, right? But as sinners, we like to add to God's truth. And I added, so therefore he doesn't want me to change. But I realized that after reading scripture several times, that unconditional love is not the same thing as unconditional approval of my behavior. Mm. My identity should not be defined by my sexuality. My identity shouldn't be grounded in my desires, whether sexual or romantic. My identity is not gay. Mm. It's not ex-gay. It's not even heterosexual for that matter. Because my identity as a child of the living God must be in Jesus Christ alone. God says, be holy for I am holy. I used to think to become a a Christian, I had to become a heterosexual. What does that mean? I need to be sexually attracted to the opposite sex. As a matter of fact, I thought the more sexually attracted I were to lots and lots of women, the more of a Christian man I would be. Mm. But I realized that even if a man had opposite sex attractions, not a bad thing, a good thing, he would still need to resist temptations and, and, and walk away from sin. So actually, heterosexuality, it's the right direction. It's just not the right goal. Mm. 
God never commands us, be heterosexual for I am heterosexual. Neither does he say be homosexual for I am homosexual. They're both secular Freudian categories, not biblical categories. Instead, God says be holy for I am holy. So the opposite of homosexuality, it's not heterosexuality. That's actually the not, not the right goal. But the opposite of homosexuality is holiness because the opposite of every sin is holiness. I don't need to focus upon whether I'm struggling or tempted. I need to focus upon living a life of holiness and living a life of purity because change is not the absence of temptations, but change is the spirit wrought ability to be holy, even in the midst of temptations. So God was revealing this all through my time in prison. And then God did another miracle and shortened my prison sentence from six years to three years. And then he called me to full-time vocational ministry. um, And I I was like, I need to learn more about the Bible. And I applied to uh, Bible college, to Moody Bible Institute. And I was actually accepted. My references was a prison chaplain, a prison guard, and another prison inmate. (laughs) (laughs) I was released from prison July 2001, started the next month. I graduated 2005, received my doctorate of ministry um, 2014. Also got my master's in biblical exegesis. And then co-author with my mother, my our memoir, Out of a Far Country, A Gay Sense Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope, and then my newest book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex Design Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. If you wouldn't mind, you know, that subtitle there, Sex Desire and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story, what do you mean there by God's Grand Story? You know, and, and Graham, I, I mean, if I, I could be totally honest here, I, I that was not my uh, subtitle of choice. Initially, I wanted to, to title it Sex Design Relationship Shaped by Biblical and Systematic Theology, but then my uh. publisher shot me down. <laughs> they said, you want your book to sell? And I was like, I could buy that book. <laughs> uh, so we thought, well, and I and I actually really uh, like the, the, the subtitle that we have now. It's God's grand story. Essentially, it's God's redemptive work in his people uh, throughout history uh, and throughout the pages of Scripture and begins with creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. And then having that in mind, we can do some great biblical theology to look at the redemptive scope of his work and how God has revealed um, himself in the Old Testament and is fully revealed in the New Testament and how that impacts our understanding of uh, of sexuality, uh, it's important things like identity, um, and so that's that's essentially why I wanted to have that as the framework through which we think. And I didn't really see that done uh, yet in any book that I knew about. Mm. You know, I, I'm so appreciative of the way you just outlined the, the call to holiness and uh, how the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality; it, it's holiness, and that's how we all are called to live our lives in Christ. And yet, that seems to be so missing in much of what is going on today in teaching about these issues, about desires and uh, disordered loves and the fact that you can be a gay Christian and to to serve Mm -hmm. gay Christians well, you uh, somehow help them come to terms with their sexual identity. Um, And we've had Bible teachers call those who are celibate gay Christians Mm self-described heroes because they've chosen a path of celibacy. And it seems to me that that just undermines any access that we have to this gospel the way you just laid it out. How have you engaged these differing ways, even within the evangelical world, of thinking about uh, sexuality, sexual identity, when you seem to have such a clear understanding and vision of a very simple pathway that I, I think we could argue has been the, the way that the church has addressed these things for millennia? 
Well, you know, I I like to tell people, you know, the the concept of homosexuality. A lot of times, it sounds new to people, and the the term definitely is the new term. But I want to really, uh, I, I hope people would hear that this is not an idea from Christopher Yuan. It's essentially the, the the term is maybe a new term, but the concept definitely is not. It is just rising through the pages of God's word. This is nothing novel. This is nothing new, because if it was, then I'd, I'd be wrong. <laughs> it, it's just reading through scripture and, and essentially even my book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. I didn't want people to kind of walk away and be like, wow, you know, this author really got it. I want to be, I want to point people to his word. Mm. And I want, I, I submit myself fully. I don't want people to believe something simply because Christopher Yuan said it or Dr. Christopher Yuan said it. I hope they would listen critically and biblically like the Bereans, take notes and then open up the word of God. The only authority that we have, I submit myself fully to that. And if there's anything that I ever say that contradicts his word, do not believe it. Mm. So this concept of homosexuality just really rises out of that. And you're right, Tom, that, that I get a little frustrated as well when and I know people are well-meaning, you know, they're, you know, these heroes and they'll even look to me and they're like, oh man, you, you got it so hard. Your cross is bigger to bear. And this is what I say almost every time. No, I don't. I'm not saying that I have this easy road, but what I'm saying is in light of God's grand story, in light of his word, when we understand it, same-sex attractions, sexuality. When I was living in sin, um, that's exactly what it was. I was living in sin. It's a, it's a sin issue. Mm. And when we understand sin in light of God's grand story, in light of the gospel, in light of scripture, we'd realize that's the problem of all humanity. Amen. And the goal of scripture, Jesus' own words, he says it three times in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He lays it out really simply and clear. He was not mincing his words. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must, not an option, must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. I've read that verse over and over and over, and I've never seen that it says, if anyone who have seen such attractions must follow me. No, it's if anyone, that's any person, that's all of us who wants to follow Jesus, we need to deny ourselves, mm. pick up a cross following me. All I'm doing is doing what Jesus has called Christians to do. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. Mm. Actually, Following Jesus should cost us everything. Yeah. If it hasn't, we're actually following the wrong Jesus. Amen. You know, when we when we give up everything, that's when we realize the few things that we have aren't ours; they're all His. Yeah, mm-hmm. Amen. Listening to you talk, now, Christopher, that it dawns on me that probably a lot of the problems that we're facing in this conversation in the evangelical world 
stems from a deeper problem that we've tried to address here at Founders for years, and that is the real nature of the gospel. What is the gospel? What's the gospel call? It's not to be a heterosexual. It's not to be a good little boy or girl. It is Mm -hmm. to deny yourself, follow Christ. And if we get that straight, then these other issues that are perhaps in some ways unique to us or to our tribe, those are almost incidental because we're still called to kill sin. We're still called to trust Christ. We're still called to repent and live by faith every day. Mm -hmm. And that's that's true across the board. And this is what grieves me in some of the conversation. It's like there's a special category that's been carved out (laughs) for those who are same-sex attracted or, or whatever the designation might be. And if we make a special pathway for them, it cannot be this one narrow pathway mm, that that's right. is following Christ. And man, you've put your finger on that and addressed that in a very, very helpful way. Yeah, it's um, it's not that following Jesus, whether you're same-sex attracted or whatever it, the issue is, it's not that following Jesus is going to be the easy road. It's certainly not the mm-hmm. easy road, but it is the way of blessing. You know, following yes. following your sinful desires and your sinful temptations, um, it may be the easy road, but it is the road of cursing. Yeah, and so that's those are the two choices that we have: follow Christ, though it's hard, and you will be blessed. Uh, stray from Christ, though it's easy, and you will be cursed. Mm. Yeah. So, how has your book been received thus far? What what kind of feedback are you getting? It's it's been very encouraging. Uh, what I enjoy most is when I get emails or our, our our ministry team gets emails where, like a mother would write to us and say, you know, I picked up your book to help me better understand my son or my daughter or whatever is my loved one, and then uh, she writes and she said, I finished the book and she said, I didn't realize this was for me. Mm-hmm. She, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I laid out my book, I, I begin with identity. So important. Like, like we began this, this podcast. Um, and then I talk about the Imago Dei, uh, the doctrine of sin, homoradiology. So again, into some systematic theology, then I try to make it readable. So it's not, you know, so just any, like a mother or, a, you know, a, a college student can pick it up and, and, and get it. And then I introduced this concept of holy sexuality. I have a chapter on temptation, chapter on desires. And then I get into uh, the heart of my book. I wanted to write one chapter on marriage and one chapter on singleness. The problem was those turned out to be enormous chapters. So (laughs) I actually ended up with two chapters on singleness and two chapters on marriage. So we have this chapter on uh, a biblical theology of marriage and a biblical theology of singleness, especially singleness that like where we don't really hear much about it in the, in the old Testament. And then how, how Jesus came and brought this concept of the spiritual family uh, and our understanding of, of what it means, you know, Jesus being single, Paul being single and, and helping to understand that. But, you know, a mother will say, man, I wrote this book and those chapters on singleness really challenged me because again, I, I don't want to write something. So many things have been said on marriage, but I think that we needed a bit of correction of our understanding of what we've made it. Sometimes I think we've idolized it mm. or think that's the only way to be whole and happy. Only Christ makes us whole. Mm. And so all these things that that I wanted to help people understand. And then of course, the ultimate end of goal, uh, the ult- ultimate end of marriage, which is what Paul talks about in Ephesians five Christ in the church and how I think all marriages point to that reality. So that's one of my, the encouragements uh, that I get when people read it and not thinking that it was for them, it was for someone else. And then they realize that actually this is a book, you know, that, that has a lot of 
applications to, to themselves, to everyone really. And so I think it's been received well. Um, it, this book came out a little before um, uh, COVID, and uh, but it was named uh, 2020 Book of the Year for Social Issues by Outreach Magazine. And um, so we're really encouraged by that. I'm actually right now in the process of turning this into a curriculum for teens because oh. this book is for adults and college students. And and there's such there's so much lacking right now um, on that segment. Um, there's other people who have done some stuff, kind of maybe uh, more about what not to do, kind of abstinence, and I think those are important. And then some, you know, other others that are out there that I think aren't as clear. But I, I wanted to be really clear about what biblical sexuality is. Actually, my cover it's black and white. That was very <laughs> intentional because mm-hmm. we're living in a world of infinite shades of gray, not just fifty. And I want to be so clear that God. God's truth and specifically God's truth when it comes to sexuality is not gray. It's black and white. Mm. That's wonderful. And it, it just, it just makes perfect sense to me. I've said for many, many years after I finally began to figure it out as a pastor that all my counseling really boils down to uh, one statement. It's be a real Christian and act like it. Because mm. if you're a real Amen. Christian, you can only get that way by the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then once you get the gospel straight, everything else is application. It's details. And so, okay, if you struggle with same-sex attractedness, well, that's a detail you got to work out, and it's rigorous. If you're uh, attracted to uh, opposite-sex sin, well, that's a detail. If you're attracted to various addictions, that's a detail. But if you have the gospel, well, here's how a Christian lives on the mm-hmm. basis of all we have in Jesus Christ, given these circumstances, given your own disordered loves and things that are confused and wires that are crossed, which we all have. Every, no, mm-hmm. Nobody gets out of life without that. Mm-hmm. But the gospel is the answer to all of it. And I, I just appreciate the way that you have addressed this, and, and especially uh, including those chapters on singleness and marriage, because it is easy to get, even Christians, to get sidetracked in thinking, well, because we are heterosexual or because we are married and we value these things, well, that is kind of the sunum bonum. And, of course, that is not. Those are also means to that greater end of, of God's glory. Yeah, so I would Amen. I want to highlight that you know even you know if you don't struggle with um, these same sins and you don't maybe even know or have family members that struggle with these same sins, this book can still be a very helpful book mm-hmm. to you. I mean, if you've sat and listened to this conversation and heard Christopher's story and the way that he's exposited God's word on these issues, I mean, if your heart's not enlarged for God and yeah. for the gospel, I mean, you need to get right with the Lord um, <laughs> because it's just an incredible truth and amazing to see the ways in which God has worked in your life to bring you to Him and to make you holy like Him. So, Christopher, you're working on this curriculum for young people. Any uh, any idea when it might be available? Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, oh, I, I wish it was available right now. <laughs> so um, do I. But um, and and so we're looking at maybe the end of 2022, but most likely the beginning of 2023. Okay. And um, so, you know, my ministry website is just my full name, ChristopherYuan.com, but this curriculum is going to be housed on one of my other uh, websites, and it's going to be just HolySexuality.com. And people could go there now to put on their name and their uh, their email to kind of get more information and, you know, when we're getting close to that release date. Good. Well, we'll want to link to those websites so that folks can access them quickly. And uh, your book's available wherever books are sold. When Christian books, you can get it online. And uh, so we certainly will link to that as well. But we're so grateful for you being willing to spend time with us today and uh, for you uh, writing this book, stewarding the gifts that God's given to you, and sounding a note of biblical clarity 
about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency of that gospel for all of us, no matter what our background, no matter what Mm -hmm. our struggles, no matter where we've been. We we have a Savior that shed his blood, was raised from the dead for us. And in him, we can live. Thank you. And and if I could just add, you know, the, you know, stories like mine, unfortunately, you don't hear a lot of these anymore. And they're out there, but many of them just chose not to be as public as myself or like Rosario Butterfield. Uh, but but I also want to clarify that, you know, what was heard in this podcast, you know, I used to identify as gay and now I no longer do. That's definitely true. But I always tell people that's actually not how I would summarize my testimony. My testimony is I once was blind <laughs> and now I see. Mm-hmm. I once was lost and now I'm found. I once did not believe and now I believe in the Son of God, and His name is Jesus. That's my testimony. Amen. Amen. It's a great word to end on. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for listening to The Sword and the Trial.